Well, hello, folks. I don't know if you could hear that audio cue as well as I could, but uh, when you do hear that tune, it means you're in for a treat because it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. We're about to start episode, I guess we just did, episode 539. I can't believe it. This is the Chats edition. Uh, we also have a forums edition every week, just talking strategy. I'm your host, Jim Reed, Blusterini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. And I have the best freaking job in the world talking poker with my friends here on the podcast every Monday night at 7.30 Eastern live on YouTube. You can join us for free, but you can win a real prize just for showing up. So I hope you do. All right. I'm very excited uh, to be joined by DGAF. We're going to talk about poker sessions, uh, putting games together and some other uh, fun, exciting stuff from his life. Uh, we had a... Uh, an interesting situation with our guest this week. We're parachuting Billy in here uh, at the last minute. Uh, D. Gaff was happy to jump in and save the day for us. Uh, so if you're listening at home and you notice a kind of an odd, abrupt transition from the intro to the interview, that's why. Um, but I'm so excited. We've been talking about having uh, you on the show for a long time, D. Gaff. So I'm glad we finally got a chance to put it together. Um, I'm also joined by Joe Coolis and uh, longtime premium member uh, Jamel Cuevas. Uh, who both are big fans of what you're doing, Billy. I guess I want to say, first of all, just thank you for coming on the Rec Poker Podcast. My pleasure. Uh, I've heard good things about you guys. Just looking at just looking at the, the your background play, Learn Belong, sounds like a community you're building. I love it. Nice. Thanks, man. Well, I know you, like community is a big part of, it's close to your heart, you know. Um, Definitely. And, and you've, you know, you've shared your heart with a lot of people. I think if people, well, don't let me put you in a box here. If, uh, if, if for somehow our guests have not heard of you or don't know anything about you or your story, uh, you've been in the poker world for so long. I feel like, uh, how would you describe your own poker role in the in the poker world right now today? If a stranger asked you and had no idea, um, so I say I'm involved in content and connections. I I put out a lot of content. I put out two episodes of my podcast every week. I'm a commentator at Hustler Casino Live. I've started a new project where I'm kind of a player and commentator at the same time called DGAF's Live Poker Show on YouTube. Um, I've written a bunch in the past on 2 Plus 2 Poker Forums and elsewhere. And also I host games, uh, just games on the casino floor and and then also stream games. I, I host two of the games on Hustle Casino Live, the Monday and the Thursday game, and and my my own new project as well. So content and connections, that that's that's my job. And it's also my job to kind of teach people the way live poker works. I'm talking about cash games. It's different than online poker and it's different than tournament poker. Um it, it's a very very much a social game, and I just push that as often as I can. Yeah, I love that. Um, we talk to a lot of uh, tournament players here on the show, but I always enjoy talking to cash players because I do feel like that's, you know, a more pure part of the game. And I think it's a more sustainable uh, path for the game as well. Um, so maybe we'll even get into a little uh, cash strategy near the end of the interview here. But um, so first, talk to me a little bit about uh so, so you, you've created this role for yourself in the poker world now, and I'm always fascinated by people who start as players and they just kind of become part of the poker scene and end up in these fantastic positions like you have now. What do you credit with making that transition from just being a player to someone who's actually inside the poker world and has these jobs and responsibilities and roles that other people don't have? 
So it was just kind of organic, actually. I was the classic poker pro back in the day during the boom. Um, I played very well, very focused. And I didn't really understand that for what I'm doing, live cash and, and higher stakes, you really have to do more than that. You really have to give back to the game in different ways. And you have to be entertaining. You, you have to pump the brakes when someone's having a bad night. A, a bunch of soft skills. And also, I just needed something more out of my career than just going and taking people's money. So I started writing on 2 plus 2. And I just wrote all the time about that very thing. How to win and be good for the game at the same time. A sustainable mm. approach to, to, to live poker. So it started as a writer. And then... I personal in my personal life, I hit a rock bottom in 2017. And out of that came a different kind of content, podcasting. And I didn't really have any plans for it. I just wanted to hold myself accountable to making a comeback in poker. And I had different little turning points in my podcast. And I just became a podcaster. And that led to Ryan Feldman hiring me as a commentator for the show. I had no experience commentating. But then again, I had no experience with podcasts when I started a podcast either. And it just it just went from there. I kind of was at Hustler all the time and have a good relationship with the general manager. And I said, I could bring you I could bring you games. I could build games. It's what I've been doing my whole life. Um, and, and so that's how that evolved. And specifically at uh, Hustler Casino Live, I know they've got such a great um I want to say brand, I guess, like people really recognize uh, what's going on there. And they've, they've really become extremely popular over, over the last several years. Um, what was your connection uh, there before you got involved officially? And uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about what, what you're doing there now. So I played most of my career in three different places, San Diego, Los Angeles and Las Vegas. I spent a lot of time in Los Angeles around 2012. I played mostly at the Commerce and sometimes at the Bike and sometimes at the Gardens and occasionally at Hollywood Park or the Hustler, but just very occasionally. But I would play with Ryan Feldman and I uh, occasionally when I went to the Bike, he didn't play at Commerce much, but I actually am the one that introduced Garrett Adelstein to Ryan Feldman. Mm -hmm. And and that was a big moment, I think, in in poker history. Uh, that's that's when streaming really took off is when those two started working together. But uh, yeah, it was just it, it, I didn't really have a connection with the Hustler Casino. It was just with with Ryan Feldman. And I think he had listened to my podcast. And, and that's I reached out to him when I when I saw he was starting a new venture. And, you know, every everyone thinks they can be the best commentator. And I just said I could be the best commentator. Everyone says that and he gave me a shot, luckily. And from there, before I even went up there, the general manager, Sean Yapel, reached out to me and said, do you want Hustler to sponsor your podcast? And it just kind of went from there. That's amazing, man. Um, for, so first of all, I mean, just congratulations. It feels like Thank you're you. in a really good spot in this industry that we love with the game that we love. Um, so, yeah, yeah, kudos to you on that front. That That's fantastic. Um since you've been doing uh, commentary work and uh, getting more involved with that, has that made you a better player? Have you learned lessons uh, from the booth that you wouldn't have been able to learn while at the tables? That's a good question. 
Um, I think I could have probably learned the same stuff by by studying poker or watching the streams. And and people might think that's funny, but a lot of successful players have learned by studying the streams. If you look at Mariano, um, the way he got good at poker is he just watched every time Garrett Alistair played on stream and just studied it. And he's made a lot of money because of it. I'm not much of a, a student of the game. Uh, I'm more focused on building an incredible game and, and just playing a little bit better than my opponents. And I feel like I can win more money that way than, than really trying to play well hand to hand. But what it, what it did commentating is it, it forced me to kind of study the game. It's, it's, you're seeing the trends in poker, you know, the, the down bets and, and no one, no one follows up on the turn when they don't have it. They only follow up when they have it and just little things for me to exploit when I play. Yep, I love that. And there's no substitute for actually seeing with the cards up and like trying to follow along with the mental process that's happening for these these players. I, I see that too. Um, do you still love the game of poker? Are you jaded on it now? Is it a business and not a pleasure? Talk to me about your personal relationship with the game of poker. I'd say I'd say it's much more a business than a pleasure. Um, the way I got into content. And the reason I'm called DGAF is I started an account on 2 plus 2 poker forums in 2008 for no other reason than I wanted to be able to search hands that people were talking about ah. and, and kind of study them. And then I just started posting. And then in 2012, at the beginning of 2012, I actually wrote a very long post. It was called 2K, A Poker Story. And I said I was done with the game. That was 2012, over 10 years ago. So you could definitely say I'm a grizzled vet. <laughs> I do I, I do much prefer content and, and building stuff. Right now I'm building games with the Lucky Lady, which was kind of dormant. And now it's popping a few nights a week at least. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy bringing people together way more than, than I enjoy um, playing poker. And, and then what's uh, what's one unexpected difficulty with the the business side of things that as a player you weren't really anticipating? Um, so one difficulty is I, I spread bigger games at, at, at Hustler and I spread like smaller two three two five at Lucky Lady um, at the Hustler in, in my bigger games the most reliable people as far as I'll be here at this time to start the game are professionals and it's just become true that there's no place for professionals anymore in live cash games tournaments sure you you see you know the chris brewers and all these guys that are really really good and they play the tournaments and other people are going to play with them because they want to take a shot at the big prize but in cash games if chris brewer sits down in my, I try and build a five, five, ten, and sometimes bigger at, at Hustler. People aren't going to play with him, and it's not because right. they don't like him as a person. He's just too good, too serious. So it's tough. I empathize with the pros because I used to be one. I've actually transitioned to rec player now. I, I don't. I play a couple times a week. I don't work on it. Yeah, that's where you want to be, brother. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I, but I empathize with with these hardworking pros that are, that are studying so much and, and they think they think poker is about playing each hand as well as possible and in tournaments that's fine online maybe that's fine but it just doesn't work in higher stakes cash people won't play you got to have a game and, you, and it's got to be a good game 
And that's the number one skill. And it's just, it's tough because they don't understand it. And they kind of feel like if, if I organize a bigger game, they feel like, well, why didn't I get in that? And, and, the, and the simple answer is those guys won't play with you. And, and it's not because you're a bad person. It's just because your approach to poker is not a fit for high stakes cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important, right? So talk a little bit about that curation element. So you talk about like building games and having players uh, come and putting them in lineups and that kind of thing. That feels like a real art that's outside of the actual game of poker itself. Well, what goes into being good at building a game and putting a good game together? Sure. If, if it's just for building a game and not for building a good show, um, it, well, I guess both start with the VIPs, the wealthy people that want to come and gamble and, and have fun, maybe have a few beers. It starts with them. And as the game runner or host, you have to, accommodate them and you have to protect them you cannot have snipers in the lineup that are going to ruin Mm. the experience that are not going to understand they shouldn't go for the kill every single hand because this person will take that personally they will feel hunted and they won't come back so that's how it works and if you're trying to build something in, in higher stakes it always starts with the vips whether you're talking about stream or not and you accommodate them, you protect them, and you put people around that they want to play with. And I think that's the simplest way to say it. And then when you're when you're talking about a stream, well, now you gotta you gotta bring in people that are that are good for view that are gonna bring views. Um, you need to have a more diverse lineup and people with strong social media or or people with some sort of fame. Now they get seats. Uh, but I guess it's pretty similar. But that's the only difference is, is when you're on stream, now you need some people who actually are gonna bring some views. Um, I know Joe's got a question, but one uh, segue I want to take from that is, so what uh, What would a bad player, like, so what am I trying to ask? Um, who, who? What's the kind of player that you wouldn't want to invite to a game? What are some qualities that they might have that may, would make you say, you know what, actually, I'm not going to invite this person to the game? So if they take too long mm-hmm. for trivial decisions, of course, a big decision is going to pop up every so often. Take your time. It's a lot of money. But the ones that take too long in general, uh, anyone who stares, that, that that's just antisocial behavior. It, it's fine in a tournament. It's part of the tournament culture. You see it's Chidwick or whatever his name is. That guy would never get in a good game other than if some weird wealthy person wanted to like, challenge himself. But otherwise, <laughs> like no one's playing with that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't invite anyone who uh, tanks or stares and and really just um tries too hard and, and that might sound ridiculous but but it's just the reality is that if you try too hard you're you're not going to get action uh great answer joe you've got something i think yeah i, I think it was interesting when you started talking about it that i just realized that what you go through in terms of creating games is going to be consistent at every single stage of a player's career right i mean uh, what you talk about in terms of creating a home game you know are the same steps right i can't play uh as well as i can play with the people that live around here because they don't know what they're doing and if i just simply take all of their money they'll never come back and then i have no game i mean i'll win the first time but i won't do it and 
granted, we don't have to worry so much about social media presence in terms of <laughs> our games, but I do think that it's important to point out for uh, our audience that what you do is what, if you want to create a home game for yourself, so you don't have to go to the casino, you have to do the same sorts of things or you'll just never get to play. Uh, 100%. I, I've said in my content forever that my target, my goal is to play my B minus game. <laughs> I don't I don't want to play my A plus game unless I'm playing the World Series of Poker main event. That's the one time most years that, that I actually try hard. It, it's not good for my longevity in the game. It's not good for my games if I'm there grinding, trying to play my A plus game, playing off charts and whatnot. If you've ever seen me play, I play about two thirds of hands, which is obviously counterintuitive in a vacuum. I drink a lot of beers. I I goof around. I don't know who the preflop razor was half the time. And that's not because I don't know how to play poker. It's because I do know how to play poker. It's because I know how to play high stakes cash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe, did you have a follow up there? That was, I like where you're going with that. No, I, no, I, I and I, you actually made, uh, yeah, if you made the exact point I was going to follow up with, which is, is um, I think, so with rec poker, I mean, it's it's recreational players, right? But they're people who want to study more. And I think that what you point out is that sometimes you got to shoot one of your own tires out uh, in order so that the bus only goes at the speed of everybody else. Or again, you're just, you'll, you'll never stay in the game and you don't have a chance to have any of the fun, but also to sometimes winning the most amount of money isn't the most important thing. It's winning a good amount of money, but keeping everybody else feeling like, um, maybe you're not so good at poker. Does that make sense? It makes a ton of sense. Like the, the VIPs that play on my stream, if it weren't for those tracking websites that track our results, they would all think that I'm just like them, that I am wealthy, which I'm not at all. And that I'm this huge losing player because who who can play, you know, 60 some percent of hands and drink 10 beers in five hours. Like you, you can't be a good player if you do that. And so that that's, that's all part of it for me. It's, I, I don't want to ever be intimidating. And I understand that people who have never, who haven't spent a ton of time in poker, they love the mental stimulation of learning, you know, different strategies and different fundamentals. I get that. And that's important. I have those deep down, but but once you want to start getting into the bigger games and making more money, well, you have to, like you said, shoot out one of your own tires. Like, like I know I'm supposed to three bet this hand, but this guy's been three bet three hands in a row, and he's irritated. If I three bet right now, it's terrible. He he might just storm off. So I'm just gonna call. I'm gonna do stuff that's worse in a vacuum, but better over time. So similar along those lines, how do you manage the, so poker is not exactly known for having the the fun player, right? I'm, I can remember when I started uh, posting in some discords, people talking about the, the gunslinger attitude about a lot of players. I mean, they come in to be the outlaw, to be kind of the jerk. And it's terrible for games. It's terrible for women. It's terrible for men. It's terrible for new players because who wants to put themselves to that and lose money to those people? How do you manage keeping that piece out from, particularly when you have people who have a lot of money and want to show their ego uh, in at the tables more so than just winning poker or having a good time? That It's tough. If, if the person is a very losing player 
and they're an asshole, I hate to say it, but it's kind of okay. They can't be disrespectful to women or or anything like that. But in in the in the higher stakes, you got to bring something to the table. If you're dumping tens of thousands of dollars, you kind of get to be an asshole as long as you're not disrespecting anyone on a personal level. And everyone gets it. You just take it. I, I've taken it so many times. Just like say say this about me. Sure, sure. You know that's fine. You're gonna lose. 20k right now and the rest of us are are going to get our shares of it now if if it's someone who's not losing a bunch of money you have to stand up to that person unfortunately the 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 dealer likely won't the floor people likely won't it's up to the players to govern uh their own game and and that's just something i i've learned i've i've been extremely confrontational with people who are bad for the game and that they're assholes like you said and also they're not losing a bunch of money but you have to balance it with, with the guy who's an asshole who's going to lose a lot. And then if he crosses a the line, then it doesn't matter how much he's going to lose. He's gone no matter what. And I think I think what you're saying points out the fundamental reason why I am somewhat pessimistic that the the hope that people have in terms of how to it's like the, how to improve the game, right? We want to make everybody have fun doing things is that when you allow people who have money to be assholes, they're assholes, right? I, you know, I don't know your politics, but I mean, there's a guy who bought Twitter basically so he can be kind of an asshole online and he gets to do it because he has the money. And, and let that look, that that's, that's time immemorial. I mean, that's, that's been the way the world has run, but it makes right. it really difficult to change things when the only way that you can't be an asshole is if you don't have enough money <laughs> to be that. Yeah, you gotta have money so. to be an asshole and make it in this world. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> but but I find like the majority of the wealthy players, like super recreational players that that are in my games, the majority of them are really nice people. And I, I I don't know. I think there's so many of them that you don't really need to accommodate the assholes long term. But if one's there one night, and and this is this is more true at say like the mid stakes. Say you're in your two five game or your five ten game, and you know it, it it's it's soft because it's live poker and you can beat it for for whatever, and and you're cruising along, and then someone comes in and they're they're obviously gonna dump five ten k. Just for that, for those couple hours, you just kind of put up with it as long as they don't cross a line. That's that's always been my approach. So, Jim, did I can continue? But if I didn't want to, no, no, please, you. no, by okay. all means, yeah, I've got some more questions, but I'm loving this uh, line of questioning. Yeah. So uh, the the podcasts that I've listened to uh, for you have, have largely been restricted to the autobiographical grouping that you had initially, um, where you talked about yourself being a writer. You talked about some of the times that you went bankrupt, and and it's fascinating to me because um, you know, I, I do some writing as my on my own, and the writing that is best always leads to vulnerability, right? The ability to say these are the things that um that i feel you know expressing that is always the, the the things that people direct to and and i can really see how you are looking to improve your craft as a writer in those uh podcasts at least the ones that i've listened to by being vulnerable by saying the things that make you that could make you a target what i find interesting though is you're walking into you know um <laughs> uh pissing contests every time where people are looking very specifically for ways to be able to get under your skin. And so there's 
um, some uh, professional danger, as it were, by revealing that information. How, how do you manage that um, that dichotomy to be able to make decisions about what you're going to reveal and how it will impact your poker game? So I find that if you're just looking at the Internet and the trolls on the Internet, they're, they're going to come after you for any vulnerability you put out there, as you, as you mentioned. They're not going to do it in real life. They just don't. They'll sit there quietly and, and they'll wait till they get home behind their their, their, their keyboard and then they'll do it. <laughs> I just almost never run into someone saying something to me in person. Um, and, and I just never have, even before I, I was working at The Hustler. So I, I don't know, maybe just maybe just people think I'm crazy and they, they don't want that trouble in real life, but they're happy to do it from their screen names and whatnot. Um, I don't mind at all because we all we all have things we deal with and I'm happy to share mine and mine are probably a little more drastic than your average person. But people have have more things to deal with than I do. And I know for a lot of people, it, it just makes them feel better in addition to being entertaining, listening to something that's just pure, just just raw, like no embarrassment, unabashed. And so, yeah. But having said that, I also keep most of my content private because I can't stand the internet trolls. So <laughs> yeah. that's why I'm behind a, a paywall on Patreon is, is most of the very vulnerable stuff is there. And, and if you're paying to to get this content, there's a trillion podcasts out there. But if you're if you're paying to get mine and then you're trolling me like that, that's just something I've had it happen. But but it's rare. OK. Well, keep it up. I mean, you you do a great job in terms of uh, more so than many of the poker writers, even some who uh, are supposedly letting you into their lives. Um, you're the only you're one of the very few that I feel like actually represents who you are different than the image that you put at the table. And I do think that that's important for people to understand, to really understand what what a professional poker's life is like. And so uh, kudos to you, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'd say I'm the rule in, in in poker, the the professional who wins a lot and ends up busto time after time after time. Terrible at money management, uh, no investments, and, and getting scammed here and there. I'm the rule. There are exceptions. People that you know, exceptions to the rule. People that just ran it up and and, and were smart with their money and continue to run it up. But a lot of people are selling you a dream that's not real, um, you know, in their content. And, and that's fine. Maybe some people need that as inspiration, but I prefer to just um, provide solidarity for, for people are like, man, this is tough. Like life's hard. And even if you make a lot of money, you can find yourself broke. No problem. Can I ask one more follow-up question? Yeah, follow up, yeah. So one of the things that in listening that I found most interesting was you talked um, some about your children, a um, uh, child. I, I, think one, I have two. Yeah. I, to you. 14 year old daughter, 11 year old boy. That That is actually the area. So when I became a dad, um, the very first thing I thought of was I need to make more money. Right. And every, with each individual kid that came on, I was like, I need to make more money. Right. Right. You do. How do you, man how do you manage the, the thing that I found most fascinating is uh, how you manage the roller coaster that comes not only with supporting yourself in an, in an, in an industry whereby, bottoming out is the rule rather than the exception 
when you have two kids who are also relying on you for that same income, uh, I don't know how I could handle it. I don't, I don't, I, and I'm, I'm pretty certain I couldn't. Uh, and that's why I said, you know, no poker career for me. It's just play it for fun. How, how do you manage that? Or how do, how's that experience for you? Uh, extremely stressful when, when you're talking about providing and, and making sure all the bills are paid each month. But of course, being a dad is, is like the greatest thing there is. And, and interestingly enough, that's when my podcast sessions took off was early in season two. It was 2019. I was running bad. Like everyone can relate to, you just can't win a hand no matter what game you're in or what cards you're getting dealt. And I hit record instead of talking about a session and hand histories, I just spent an hour reliving this playoff run that my daughter's basketball team made and I was their head coach and I was just so passionate about it inspiring these third and fourth grade girls and we were kind of the underdog and like we eked our way into the finals and we were so hyped up that we just like destroyed a better team in the finals and like my daughter ran and jumped in my arms and I just I didn't want to talk about poker that day I was just like so so tilted and i just did that like and it was therapeutic for me and then the next day i started getting all these emails like this this is this is podcasting this is content and so since then it's been a combination of poker life and people really love the the, the stuff about my kids especially the the sports stories um but yeah it, it's tough it's it takes i have to make a lot of money each each year to to take care of myself my kids and and it, it's tough it's it's and, and you'll be playing with with kids who have they have no financial responsibility and they might have many of them have a lot of support from their parents and you know there's no there's no weight on their shoulders and, and you're sitting there like if i lose if i lose again tonight like i'm gonna have to go borrow from someone i'm gonna have to try and get a loan from a bank I'm going to have to get staked again. And, and I know I'm a winning player. So that always hurts. So it, it's tough. I don't recommend it. You, you, you said something pretty wise that you decided you were always going to stay a recreational player. And, and that, that's, that's the trick. That's what um, my friend Abe Lyman says. Poker is uh, a terrible job, but maybe the best hobby. I love it. Yeah, he said I, something similar yeah. uh, on our show a little while ago. And we talk about that all the time. It's like, you want to ruin the love that you have for something, make it your job, right? Make it right. something that you have to do every day that like the results matter. Um, we have a lot more fun as, as recreational players. There's no, no doubt about that. Um, you've shared so much about your life, just taking off from this point, you've been very candid uh, with your audience. Um, what's, What's one thing that people don't know about you? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, the people that listen to my podcast, the the people that are on Patreon, they I think they know everything about me. But uh, I'd say most people, one thing most people don't know about me is that probably that I'm a winning poker player. <laughs> most, people, most people see me play on, on stream and they think this guy's a whale and like maybe a little bit, but I, I do win every year. So <laughs> that's a good one. That. 
that's a good that's a, that's the kind of thing that you, you don't you don't mind if people don't know about you in the business no, you're in right that's a good thing here's the thing you want them to always think you're a whale unless you're on a on a big downswing and then it gets old everyone's saying you suck you're like okay let's play heads up right now like, <laughs> right. let's let's see if i actually suck <laughs> but when you're winning yeah say i'm terrible say it over and over and over this guy's the worst player say it <laughs> that's so funny i love it joe i just like just want to remind everybody how terrible a poker player I am. Yeah, <laughs> Joe. Said, Yo, here. <laughs> Joe bangs that drum quite a bit around here. We're all wise <laughs> to you, Joe. We we've mentioned your name here on the Winner Circle of the podcast a few times. Um, all right. Well, I'll encourage uh, uh, Jamel if you've got any questions, feel free to jump in. Otherwise, I've got a couple that will kind of bring to the bring to the bring the interview to a close here. Um, in this in this industry in this path that you've chosen, what's what have you learned about people that surprised you or that maybe didn't surprise you and you were kind of hoping that you wouldn't learn about people? But like, what's one thing that you've learned about people directly from this industry and from your work uh, in this industry? So I'll start with something positive and then I'll go to something negative. Uh, the The poker world is a very, it's a collection of misfits, right? But in general, it's kindred spirits and Day to day, people are going to act nasty, shady, but over time, they come around and you just kind of have respect for anyone who's been around. And one cool example of this is there was an NBA basketball player um, named Jack Haley. I don't know if you remember him. He was kind of like Dennis Rodman's uh, chaperone on each team he played. And, And he played in Los Angeles at the Commerce a lot. And 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 he was a whale. And people, you know, were a little bit predatory every time he played, you know, the the grinders. And then he passed away. And he always always drank Patron tequila. And he passed away. And and then shortly thereafter, we're all playing one night. And even these guys that never give an inch, they see change. They just were sniping him the whole time. Everyone took a shot of Patron in his honor. So there's something cool to it. I'll say that a very interesting thing I found is the more I go out of my way for someone, the worse they are for me (laughs) or to me. That if I do them a a big favor or show a lot of generosity, they're worse. And and, and it's just wild to me. But uh, that's that's the negative thing. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good tip for people, too. It's funny how some people are like that. You kind of give them an opportunity to out themselves as a taker and a user and right. there's a lot of those people out there uh, that's i call sure. them nits i've been calling them nits for <laughs> yeah. a long time true. I, I don't true. consider i don't consider a tight poker player a nit. i consider someone who who takes and doesn't give back a nit. yeah i love that i've heard i've heard you say that before i think that's a great way of uh of putting it um let's talk a little bit about strategy um, a lot of our players a lot of our listeners are playing you know one three two three two five um they're enjoying the game uh but they don't play for a living they study but they're not you know at the top of the game um i think what makes some recreational players uncomfortable is over bets uh so i want to talk a little bit about this specifically pre-flop um so we get in these situations where you know recreational players we like to see flops so there's usually going to be you know a few limps or an open and then a bunch of calls and then you get these guys that come in and put like just a huge stack of chips in the middle. 
what are they trying to do? Is it always a good hand? Is it never a good hand? Talk to us a little about the as you see it in real life. What's the theory of some of these okay, big so raises preflop? It's with most the overbets are for value. With some like myself, I'll just if you ever see me in a two three game or a two five, and, and I'll just say like, even even when I play on stream, I think like almost one hundred percent of my overbets are bluffs because they just work. They're so effective right. at getting people to fold. So why would I balance that? <laughs> like like <laughs> if if I bet one point five pot or two two x pot. And they're going to fold like 99% of the time with, with what I think their range is. Why would I ever balance that for value? Like just to appease some game theory person, no. I'm going to print money by having them fold when I have shit. And when I have a good hand, I'm going to bet less. So, so <laughs> I, but I think what you, what you see often is the overbets. People just, they don't have the issues that I do, I guess. And so when they overbet, they have it. I, I would fold in general, unless you know someone's playing smaller stakes than, than they're used to, or, um, or yeah, they're just a, kind of a maniac. And so I'll, I'll go one step further with that then. So when you are choosing to bluff with in those spots, usually they're because it's a good spot for a bluff, right? Like a bunch right. of players, there's dead money in the pot, there's some passive players, they've kind of capped their range a little bit. Um, are there particular hand qualities that you're looking for? Like, is it important to have a blocker? Is it important to have connectivity uh, in case it goes post flop? Is are there kind of hands that you would just choose not to, to take that line with? Sure, you're talking about squeezing pre flop, um, and yeah, a, a great spot is when someone opens and they open often, mm -hmm. and people know how to three bet good hands, and they all call, and it gets back to you in the big blind. Um, that's a great squeeze spot, and, and you, you got to go big here. You got to you got to get the first guy to fold, and then you're probably good, right? So that's focus on that person. If you think they're strong, don't do it, right? But if you think if you just picked up on something that they're not, well, okay, let's put in a big squeeze here. Let's make it too expensive. Um, most people are, are naturally pretty risk averse, so let's make it just really expensive. And the hand the hands I like to do it with. Um, have have one big card in in them like a a king x ace x is even better and and then i guess queen x is okay but i like to have that because if you get called um you're going to get called by by mid pairs a bunch and then you're going to be able to to outflop by hitting your king or say you have king seven and you do it and someone calls and you think they got like a mid pair if it comes an ace or king high, you get to win. You get to win with the king by making the best hand, the ace by by pretending to make the best hand. So that's just kind of a, a simple thing. Um, I, but but then again, even if everyone's weak and you're looking down at, at a small pocket pair, I'm not squeezing there because I'm just going to, if I get called, I'm in no man's land out of position with a hand that, that just doesn't improve from street to street. And it's just hard to flop a set, so I'd rather just get in there for cheap and maybe flop a set, and then and then get creative on how to get value. Yep, I love it. That's a great answer. Uh, thank you for answering exactly the question that I was uh, trying to put to you there. So that's fantastic. Okay, no problem. Um, Joe and uh, Jamel, do we have any more strategy questions for uh, DGAF here? Because I do find, yeah, Joe, jump in. 
Just, just a real quick follow-up in terms of that same squeezing idea. Um, given the preponderance that you're going to have of ace-x hands in recreational players uh, in those situations, when you squeeze, particularly with a king-x and the board comes ace-high, how do you – what's your strategy? If you, know, if you feel comfortable, what, what's the strategy to try to figure out or to approach an ace-high board when you're, when you're bluffing on? Sure. I, I've always been or I've long been anti-strategy. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't mind like dropping some strategy that's super spewy because I feel like if it's super <laughs> spewy, it's good for the game, right? Yeah. So someone squeezing ace X and king X is not making poker worse, it's making poker better. It gives you an opportunity as one of the overcallers to get creative now and combat that. I, I think I think it's good for the game. So so something that I, that I put in my podcast all the time, and it's just like a really easy trick in live poker is just going small bet, big bet, just small bet on the flop and, and just like pay attention to, to how they respond to it. And not just whether they call fold or raise, but how they do it, how quickly they do it. And you just can pick up on so much. And then if the turn is, is a card that unlikely improves their hand, now, now you go big bet and they, it's just, it's printing money. You, you get, you get, the pre-flop and you get that small bet and now you make it too expensive. And then if they call that pump, shut it down, abort mission because <laughs> bluffing rivers in, in, in live cash in smaller games is rough. It's just, it, it's just once people are there, the reason they fold so much on the turn is because they're worried about the river. So once they're on the river, they're not worried about anything like, okay, fine. It's 500 bucks. Like I'll live, you know? And, and so so th that's how I navigate it. I just go default small bet, big bet, and and, and mo most players will go small bet, and if they go big bet, they have it. But I like to do it mm -hmm. the opposite. Yeah, I love that. And we we talk about yeah. on the show quite a bit that like if you take a good bluff spot or a good squeeze opportunity and they don't fold, think about what that means for their range, right? Like they because right. it was a good bluff spot because they fold a ton. If they didn't right. fold. They've got a pretty narrow, strong range that continues. So you got to think about whether it's worth pulling the trigger there. I think that's a great way of thinking about it. Um, One more thing I'll say is, yeah, please. Never feel bad when your bluffs get called, because there is something called spew equity, and you'll you see it all the time. Someone, you, if you watch our show on Tuesday nights, if you watch Ludacris, he just makes these hideous-looking bluffs, just bluffs off so much. But then next week when he's catching cards, he gets more value than anyone. He makes that money back and then some every time. So get, start bluffing way more. Don't be ashamed when you get called. You're, next time you have the hand, they're going to pay you because people, people remember. Yep, it's true. I love that. Um, all right, last question before we get into our speed round. Um, so you see a lot of players of different experience levels and you see pros and people that are used to kind of taking advantage of less experienced players. It, what, what are some common like telltale signs that someone at the table is less experienced actions that they take or mannerisms that they have that are kind of like send up the radar to the pros that like, Oh, this is someone that I can manipulate or take advantage of. What are some ways that we, as recreational players can kind of play a little defense and stop that being so obvious? Uh, yeah, so unless you want people to think you're new, there's there's once you're good, I think there, there's merit to having people think you, you're new. And, and and usually it's 
odd chip stacks, right? It's not, they're not in 20s. They're not in stacks of 20. They're like 10s. If A lot of new players will do that and because that's what they're used to doing in blackjack or whatever. And so that that's that's a tell that you're a new player. So if you're good and you want people to think you're a new player, go ahead and do that. If you're brand new, you don't want people to know it, stack them in 20s. Um, just, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of what else. That's, that's the number one thing that stands out. Uh, and I, I think just, just you can tell people are nervous. So mm-hmm. the, the, they'll say stuff that doesn't really make sense because it's just nervous energy. So I just encourage new players uh, just to do some focus breathing before and while you're at the table. It's not that serious. No one in your 2-5 game is um, Phil Galfond. It, it, it's going to be fine. Even the people that have been playing forever are generally pretty bad. It's LOL live poker for a reason. It's it's the game's too slow for people to play too well. And like <laughs> we all lose our minds and, and just, just take a breath and you won't be nervous. And then people won't be able to tell. I like that. I, I, see, when, every time I'm at the tables, I'm usually repping uh, rec poker here. People see the rec and I know I'm not going to convince anyone that I'm a pro uh, but I think I'm pretty good for a recreational player. So I should start going the other way and stacking my chips in tens and make them think I'm a real wreck. And maybe yeah, I can I mean, uh, maybe I can unload something on them. There, there's definitely merit to it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I've taken it pretty far. I, I used to be the guy with with earphones and like would just focus on every single hand. And then I just learned in in, in the year 2008 to go this other direction. Of, yeah. No, no, no. I'm taking my hat off. I'm taking my earphones out. I'm, I'm dressing kind of nice. Um, like I could be going out or coming from somewhere and I'm going to have beers and, and people love playing with me. And it, and it's not just cause I, I can crack the occasional joke. It's they'll say like, we got to be careful. These pros. And I'm thinking like that pro <laughs> sucks, man. Like, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I often will wear like a suit jacket when I'm playing. And I, I think it gets me about 20% more folds than it would otherwise. People like, oh, no, this guy's got it. It, it matters. The reality. It matters. Poker is a soft hustle. Yeah, it, sure, it's, sure. It's a hustle. But if you do it with integrity, people just respect it as part of the game and you can have longevity. It's a soft hustle. You, you once you're confident in your abilities, and maybe maybe you have a nice spreadsheet that tells you you're a winning player. Okay, well now you don't need to prove it anymore. Now you don't need to sh- say, well, your range was this. If you ever hear me talking at a table, I'm saying the dumbest shit possible. <laughs> yeah, I am thinking. I am thinking your range is that. And, and, and like, but someone says like, well, what's your range there? And I'm like, no, I, I don't have a Range Rover. Just whatever, something stupid. Uh, just yeah. So, so it's a soft hustle. So, so accept it. It, it just is. You're trying to get money from people and you're trying to do it in a way where they're happy to do it over and over and over again. I love it. Great answer. All right. Well, we're going to uh, close out the show with what we call stake study stack. Uh, Billy, this is a game where when you were younger, you might remember a game where you'd pick someone that you'd marry, someone that you'd kill and someone that you'd buy. Marry kill. Yep. That's the one. So this is stake, study, or stack. So you're going to stake someone in a poker game of some kind. You're going like to choose one to study with and then one to stack at the tables, okay? Sure. So I'm going to give you three names. This is kind of like loosely based around uh, uh, Hustler uh, over the years. So you can choose between Bill Klein, 
Eric Person, Andy Stacks. You've got to stake one, study with one, or stack one of the tables. What's your choice? Well, I'm going to stake Andy Stacks. I'm not in a good enough financial situation to not stake the best player of the three. I'm going to uh, study with Bill Klein because he just seems so much smarter than me. And maybe not in poker, but in, in, in every other area of life. And I'm going to stack Eric personally because I want him to give me that speech. And and <laughs> I don't know. He just seems like a character. I've, I've met him once. And I, w- I would like to stack him and have him yell at me. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Um, all right. So we're going to close the action now with the speed round. Thanks, uh, DGAP. You've been a great guest so far. So, again, I'm just going to reinforce. Don't think too long for these answers. Sure. Uh, short, fast, honest. And you can say pass. If you're waiting for a yeah. couple seconds, we can just say pass. All right. We're going to start off with an easy one. What's your favorite poker hand? Nine seven offsuit. Is ga- is poker a gamble or a skill game? Both. What's your biggest poker pet peeve? Nits. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Absolutely. Is Ace King a drawing hand? Sure. What <laughs> what player type are you? Maniac. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. What's one thing that you are afraid of? Death. Uh, Should vacations be lazy or busy? Lazy. What's your favorite mixed game? None. Yellow light coming up. Slow down or speed up? Speed up. Who is your poker nemesis? Poker nemesis? It would have to be Sia the Bot. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then the last question for the show, uh, the speed round's over. Take your time with this one. And this can this this can apply to either poker or to the rest of your life outside of poker. All right. Um, looking back on your whole life, uh, a fantastic life, well lived, but you have to change one thing. You have to do one thing differently in your life up until now. What's the one thing that you would do differently? I would make sure. I'm always going to be generous and I'm always going to be communal, but I would protect myself better and make sure that if I am being that way with someone, it's someone who will reciprocate. I've Mm -hmm. just been burned so many times by doing that blindly. I would be a little wiser of, of who's in my circle and who I choose to be very generous with. That's a great answer. I hope uh, folks are listening. Um, This has been a fantastic interview, man. Uh, We're going to put some links in the show notes to the Patreon. Um, What uh, if folks want to say thanks for coming on the show? What's one thing they can do to make your life better or to to sort of tip their hat to to what you're doing here today? Is it subscribe on Patreon? Is there something else that uh, people can do to put a smile on your face? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so many podcasts out there. Unless unless they're very interested in in a really raw, intimate story, uh, if they if they are, then, then yeah, patreon.com slash DGA of poker player. But but most people aren't going to do that. Why would you pay for a podcast when there's so many that are free? One thing, if they want, what they can do is next time my new project, DGAF's live poker show, goes live, um, they can jump in the chat. And, and and shout out this podcast, your podcast. I like that. That's mutual benefit. Now they're they're with with you know, shining some light on my new project, but also shouting out your, your podcast. 
um th that's what they can do it's usually late at night so uh you know just one night where they're staying up late it's a, it's a live game we're, we're playing on no delay so so they can just say hey dgav uh that was that was a cool episode on rec poker and i'll say hey thanks yeah i, I like what those guys are doing over there cheers Awesome, man. Well, I'll make sure that there's um, a link in the show notes for that. So, folks, if you're listening at home, nothing could be easier than just uh, checking the show notes and uh, clicking the link and getting involved with our, our man DGAF here. So without further ado, I would just say thanks again and just keep doing what you're doing, man. Like, you know, we're in the business of making the poker world a better place, aren't we? And I think, you know, we're, we're putting smiles on people's faces. We're helping people explore this fantastic game of poker. And I'm glad it only took what, 540 freaking episodes to get you on the show over here. So uh, congratulations on all your success and thank you again. Thank you. This, this was cool. And likewise. Up, I would be remiss if I did not mention that the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, they've got their Mid-States Poker Tour uh, series going rolling into town this weekend. If you're listening, uh, watching live or if you're listening on the day that this came out, they've got multiple events um, heading up in Running Aces for the MSPT. Go check that out. They also have uh, their Big Stack Avalanche from January 11th to 14th. That's a $500 tournament. And uh, there's going to probably be uh, some uh, qualifiers you can play earlier, but the 11th to the 14th is where the action's going to be. And uh, I'm breaking some news here, but I just got off the... I was going to say the phone. That's not how we do things anymore, but I was, I was emailing with John Barrows, our wonderful friend at Running Aces, the, the poker room manager and uh, director of poker there. And we are putting plans in place for another rec poker weekend at Running Aces. So January 19th and 20th, circle it, folks. It's right around the corner. Um, we're going to be having a bunch of fun at Running Aces. All the rec poker folks will be there. We'll be giving out prizes, uh, bomb pots. We'll be giving away memberships. We'll be having uh, meet and greet and all sorts of cool stuff. And if you don't know where Running Aces is, it's just an hour north of the Twin Cities in Columbus, Minnesota. And it's a fantastic place to go and spend some time and uh, make some new friends. So I'd encourage folks, whether it's the MSPT Poker Tour, uh, whether it's the Big uh, Stack Avalanche in Jan January 11th to 14th, or my personal preference would be for Rec Poker Weekend on the 19th and 20th of January. Um, I can't wait to go meet some more Minnesotans in person and have a fantastic time. If you want to go to rec.poker slash road trips, you can find out some more details about both our December trip um, to Las Vegas and our January trip back to running aces. Um, I guess I will just say the uh, rec poker road trip is going to be from the 5th to the 12th, but it culminates on Sunday the 10th, where we will be doing a free group tour of the Poker Go studios followed by a meetup game and some learning opportunities at Joseph Will's Poker Oasis, uh, just south of the Strip. That's going to be on uh, Sunday, December 10th. Both are free. Both are going to be full of friendly rec poker folks. And if you are able to uh, join for either one of them, I think you'll have a great time. So send an email if you need more information to jim at rec.poker, and uh, we'll put all that together. And um, yeah, we'll then we'll so I'm like poker go. It's next to the Aria. It's right there. And then we'll probably all uh, share a Lyft or an Uber or something down to uh, Joe's place afterwards. 
Um, so Steve asking, how do we get into the Poker Go tour? Uh, just send me an email, Steve, Jim at rec.poker, and I'll arrange all that with um, the Poker Go folks. And um, you do need to reserve a seat in the Poker Oasis uh, game there. Joseph, uh, why don't you unmute and just tell folks where they can find out a little more about the Poker Oasis and how they can join us on Sunday, December 10th. Yeah, sure thing. Um, yeah, we've got on the, the website, uh, the pokeroasis.com. Uh, we also have our meetup group, uh, which is just LD Poker Games and Study Group. Uh, so you can either shoot me an email from the website or join the meetup group and RSVP there. All right. And like I say, go to rec.poker slash events and you'll see all the events coming up. And you can click on the link there for this road trip in December and uh, come and join the fun. Um, all right, we've got some prizes to give away here. Uh, we've got not only our normal uh, food bank winner, but Rob Washam couldn't be here. But I will say we are also about to start the new series of the book study. This is going to be starting on December 6th, and it's every two weeks uh, until we're finished up. It is Exploitative Play in Live Poker by Alex Fitzgerald. You might know him as Assassinato. Uh, I can't wait to be digging into this. Alex has talked a lot over his career about exploitative play in live poker. So I can't wait to see what the compendium has to share uh, with all of us excited recreational poker players looking to go out there and take on the world. Um, if you want to get involved with the book study, it's every two weeks. It's part of your uh, membership as a Rec Poker Premium member. And if you're listening to this in the month of December... The holidays are right around the corner, and I want to tell you, normally, you could get your first month for only 5 bucks by using the code RECPOKER. But with uh, with uh, Santa Claus right around the corner, we are doing our Naughty or Nice sale for the entire month of December. If you enter the code NICE at checkout, you can get your first month for only a dollar. So check that out. Head on over to rec.poker and sign up for uh, your membership. If you use the code NICE, you get your first month for only a dollar. Now, that's oh, nice. Uh, Joe, did you what, have something? What do you get if you enter naughty? Because I like to be truthful about myself at all times. That's a great question, Joe. Uh, maybe you should try. Maybe you should just see what happens <laughs> if you enter the word naughty at checkout. I, I don't know what will happen. But I know if you enter the word night, if you've been a good little boy or girl this year and enter the code nice, uh, you can get your first month for only a dollar. But I, I'm kind of curious to see what might happen if someone enters the word naughty. Some honest folks like yourself. Yeah, and, and Steve, uh, Steve in the YouTube chat also wants to know what happens if we enter naughty. So maybe maybe some people will find out. Let me know. If you do, I'd love to hear about it because um, it sounds like it could be an interesting surprise for some people. I don't know. But yes, the code NICE will get you your first month for only a dollar in our naughty or nice sale. Um, all right. So Rob uh, has done a uh, Rob Washam has done a, um, a, a raffle draw to see who's going to win a copy of Alex's new book. Um, exploitative play in live poker. We're actually, he's put the list together. We're actually going to do the draw right here on the show along with our food bank draw. Chris Jones, do you have uh, the Daiso cam available for our random raffle winning and that sort of thing? Uh, I don't currently have it open, but I will get it open. Fantastic. While you're doing that, I'll just list the names that we got from Rob. So these are folks that entered Rob's uh, uh, contest. In order, Eric Anderson, Dave, Flynn, Michael, 
Mike Marco Salazar, Eric Weintraub, uh, Marcel Dusik, Chumbo, Now You Said It, Max Chaos, Keto Man, and Seven High Eleven. So that's 12 names, Chris. What kind of a die are we going to roll to figure out who the winner is going to be with 12 names? I just roll here. You got to ask Joe these kinds of questions when you're. When you're... <laughs> well, what's your, there's, what's there's your a, biggest one? <laughs> there's a special name for it. It's called a 12 sided die. This, is, this, is, this has got 12. The, <laughs> hey, that, that's a great choice, Chris. That's a great choice right. to use for this. Fantastic. Uh, thanks. Thanks for Joe and Chris for putting your heads together and solving that, by the way. That's fantastic yeah. news. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I just, I just, oh, we've got more names in here too. So I've got, no, that's I've okay. That's it. for the YouTube chat. Uh, that's for the, that's for the food okay, bank so raffle for this one, one. It's a, it's a hard 12, hard 12 roll away. Okay. Yeah. So let's roll see who away the with the 12. Be. Okay. Yep. Let's see and... who's going to be. There's, those are definitely Steelers dice, by the it's way, they're three. black and gold. Uh, three. three, that's Flynn. Um, so I know exactly who that is. Uh, Joseph, your, uh, your friends, Flynn and Ollie, I think are the winners. Um, if they're not, perfect. I was going to say, just in case they're not, uh, in case they're not, uh, (laughs) listening tonight live, let them know they can send an email to info at rec.poker and, uh, Rob will make sure they're set up with their prize. Now let's give away another prize. That's just one prize. Let's give away another prize. Um, for the food bank support raffle. Um, and then Chris has to jump out of here because he's hosting the deep dive in no time. I see Joe, Steve, uh, Eric, and Arnold. I see four names in there. Uh, and I think you've even got a four-sided die. I do Is have a four-sider. Okay, so well, let's we make go. some magic happen. Let's just see. Right. Let's see on the fantastically colored Steelers deck. It is. This is the Looks one we like, do the top, right? It's a four. Yeah, top one. Looks like a four. Arnold Barron, congratulations, sir. Um, so the way we do these prizes is if you're not currently a Rec Poker Premium member, then the prize you've won is a free month of premium membership at Rec.Poker. Congratulations. If you are already a premium member, then you get to choose from an assortment of other fantastic prizes, a free month at Learn Pro Poker, PokerCoaching.com, um, we, uh, I think we still have some months to give away for Tournament Poker Edge. You can get a coaching credit towards some coaching work with someone from the Wrecking Crew. Uh, Arnold, send an email to info at rec.poker, and we'll get you all set up with your prize. And thanks for supporting our fight against food insecurity by just typing the words food bank into the YouTube chat for free. That's fantastic. I think that's everything that I was supposed to mention here tonight. Is there anything else on anyone's mind before we roll on out of here? Hopefully with audible outro music, but you just never know. You never know about some of these things. Let's find out. Um, my thanks to the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, I, and Casino. Oh, yeah. Jump in there, Joe. John. I was just wondering if we were going to actually announce home game winners. Oh, my God. We didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, capital. Capital. Typically. Capital suggested, John. Yeah, so what's going on in, in home game land, John? We got a little sidetracked there. Sorry, buddy. All right. On November 20th, SNFR666 Tom Roach got his first daily victory. JB Twin Cities got her nice. second nightly victory. Uh, Bruce K54, Bruce Kiefer got his third nightly Sorry. victory. Spot Conlon 
Daniel Kennedy got his first daily mixed victory for the year. None other than Elvita 11, Joe Poulos, got his second international victory for the year. J.D. Cat, Jeff Catalano got his first international victory. (laughs) And Zen Heart Shadow, Sarah Coates, Ah. got her first LPP victory. So she can contact info at rec.poker for her free month at Learn Pro Poker. There you go. Fantastic. Well, yeah, do send that email. You're going to have a great time. And Zen Heart Shadow, maybe we'll get a chance to connect in uh, Minnesota for Rec Poker Weekend. You never know. I was able to meet your partner uh, last time I was out there, and he seems like a great guy. Um, looking forward to making friends and meeting some new Rec Poker members uh, when I'm out there for January 19th and 20th. If you're listening to this live, uh, or if you're watching this live, you've still got time to go head over for the deep dive. Uh, oh, that Chris Jones will be running um, for our premium members. And otherwise, I just got to say thanks to everyone for all your involvement and support. Um, Joe, Sasha, John, Joseph, and Chris, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. Everyone in the YouTube chat, you're the best. Thanks for your support. And the listeners at home, we couldn't do it without you. So to you all, have a fantastic week. And thanks from everyone here on the Ref Poker Podcast. Woo!